0: You're listening to the Small Biz Ahead podcast, brought to you by The Hartford. So good morning, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Small Biz Ahead, the small business podcast presented by The Hartford. This is John Adakonis. I am joined as always by my co-host, Gene Marks. Gene, how are you doing today? I am doing good, John. And I just want to say I'm halfway through Ozark, so we are. Uh,
1: it's been a great time binge watching some of this TV. Just do not tell me how this ends, okay?
0: I, you know, I am not one qualified because I am many seasons behind, but a Netflix binge is not a bad way to start the week. Um, you know, for our listeners, you might notice we're on a kick right now, talking a lot about different ways you can think about financing for your business, whether you're a startup or a little bit more. Um, mature in your operations, but we've talked about everything from borrowing money from family to friends to when it might be right to talk to some Uh, private or public partnership, um, like an SBA or community lender. And today we are really going back to basics and talking about when to consider a traditional bank loan and things you might need to know if that's kind of on your radar. We are joined by some of the experts in the field from Chase, one of those brands that I think most small business owners know and love. John Gambardella, who is the head of commercial banking in the state of Connecticut, and Joel Nowakowski, who is the head of business banking in the state of Connecticut. We're excited to have you here. Thank you for joining us.
2: Gene, John, thank you. This is Joel Nowakowski. Appreciate it. And looking forward to uh, answering your questions today on the show. Thank you for having
0: us. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. John
3: and Gene, John and Gene, it's John Gamardella. Thank you very much for um, asking us to have a conversation this morning about how we can help businesses in Connecticut.
0: Yeah, we very much appreciate you joining. And there's going to be a lot of alliteration today, a lot of just sounds. You guys come from the bank side. If I am a small business owner, what, what's maybe one of the first things I need to think about in terms of lending, or how do you think about commercial loans in terms of uh, what an applicant might need to know about when they're ready to talk to a bank about one?
2: There's many ways banks can can find a, finance, you know, a business or talk to a business about supporting their growth and and you know where they're going and how to grow that that business. Either it be you know, a credit facility or a line of credit or a conventional or SBA loan, equipment financing, et cetera. Small businesses, you know, have have a variety of needs. When it comes to small business loans, there's a, you know, whole host of specific requirements associated with those loans, you know, whether they be terms or lending amounts, and they vary. You know, some of the things that we, we would look at, particularly when it comes to, you know, financing would be, you know, business credit score. Looking at the cash flow of a business, and typically that's done by reviewing a set of financial documents, whether those be documents prepared by your accountant or CPA, or tax returns, etc., or even so much as you know reviewing a business plan. You know the great thing about JPMorgan Chase and Chase Business Banking, we have a team of dedicated bankers that can work with you and go over all the necessary paperwork and and you know items that you need. To either apply for a small business loan or go through the products and services that we offer to help support uh, small businesses and mid sized businesses. Another great resource that we have here at Chase is right on our website. It's chase.com slash business. It's terrific. It's a free platform and it offers tools and tips and insight on how to start and grow a business. And it also includes on that, you know, ways to fund a business. So, Uh, Again, from a business banking standpoint, you know, those are some of the things that that we can offer.
3: You know, it's interesting. I've been doing this for
2: longer than I can imagine, actually, or
3: believe. While technology has changed, while the delivery of information and the sharing of information has changed, the core tenets to how we evaluate the company's ability to borrow really should start with a conversation with the company, really understanding what the business does what the business is looking to do as it positions itself for the future. And oftentimes, folks when they're talking to us about loans don't realize that's what we're really most interested in, is really understanding the business. You could phrase it in the, what's driving your need for the loan? What's exciting is we did a recent business leader outlook survey that we released on January 5th, and 40% of those survey said they're going to be looking to the financial institutions to, in fact, borrow more money to support a variety of reasons. Uh, But what's really interesting is most of it is to support growth, which is terrific for all of us here in Connecticut as our businesses expand. Then we look at if they have the ability to repay the loan from cash flow, not from asset liquidations, but as they're generating ongoing cash flow from providing their goods or services, and if they have the ability or how do they have the ability to pay that back? And as Joel said, there's some interesting or or valuable resources online for our business owners. But Joel also mentioned having a plan. We do spend time reviewing projections in a business plan. So we understand about what's going to happen or what they expect to happen in the future, because that's really how the customer is able to come to a bank and explain and show they have the ability to repay us when we make that loan.
0: That's interesting, especially the comment kind of on the future, because I think probably people think about lending more as a, what I've done in the past, but that that's an interesting pivot to also think about why do you really need this um, kind of asset and, and what what do you hope to accomplish with it?
3: It takes a lot of practice. You know, Joel and I, as I said, we've been doing this for a while. We partner with our underwriting folks to evaluate um, credit, and we absolutely look at past historical performance, what businesses change, businesses grow, businesses face challenges. We, we're all coming out of uh, the unprecedented COVID impact, but doing this as long as I have, there is always something that businesses are faced with from a challenge perspective, either historically or things that are about to happen uh, as it relates to market and economic changes and understanding whether our business owner has looked at that and said, well, here's my plan to approach or deal with that. Projections obviously aren't always 100% accurate, but it's very important to understand what the business owner, what she's thinking about in terms of uh, how they're going to continue to generate sufficient cash flow to repay their vendors and and the the bank that they're borrowing money from.
2: John said, you know, about listening and taking the time to understand the business. You know, that's where, you know, we as bankers really add value. And, you know, like John, I've, I've been doing this for a while myself, not as long as John, but, you know, long enough to know that, when you take time to understand again what the business owner is looking to do and how they operate their business and and really where they're going you can be a much better partner to that business uh, and that business owner and provide the guidance that you know that they're really looking for at a banking partner and and we've seen it all especially you know in in business banking where we have this tremendous opportunity to see businesses start from one great idea that you know, perhaps even start in the garage or a small little office space somewhere and just continue to evolve and 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 grow and and we're able to witness the vision unfold of the business owner. You know again, where the banker steps in helping the business owner navigate that, you know that's where we add value. and And with that, a variety of different things can be born out of that, whether that be financing or leveraging technology to help grow the business or, or maybe even providing some valuable insight, because you know we as bankers have come across you know other businesses in similar industries, and you know can can leverage some of that, can leverage some of that value to, again, you know, help those businesses along the way. So
0: that's a great point. And Joel, I want to hit on the the notion of kind of value and partnership a little bit. So, I think most people probably just think I'm going to go to the bank and get a loan. But what I'm kind of getting is that there's a whole bunch of different ways that you can support small businesses kind of in, in that vertical, right? So um, can you tell us a little bit about that kind of range of what I guess I'll call like service or product and and how it can evolve? Maybe John as folks kind of grow into your space. So if it's more a business starting up versus someone who's looking to accelerate or take the next step, it, it probably feels like your relationship with a bank or your banker could be really critical in helping you understand when they might be able to play a role in helping you accomplish those goals.
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's some especially now with with technology and and the way that technology has really integrated with financial services and banking, you know, loans and and access to capital from a lending standpoint, certainly one way, but look, I mean, products and services, you know, such as just, you know, whether they be deposit accounts or credit cards or payment processing or cash management solutions you know there's so many things that you know we can integrate and talk to a business owner about to help to help them you know manage their business some of those businesses are businesses that you know you walk into you know physically on a day-to-day basis whether it be you know a restaurant or a professional services firm or You know, a a business, whatever business it may be down the street or some of those businesses, you know, may not have a bricks and mortar business front and rather, you know, most of the business is done, you know, online. So can we offer some some payment solutions, you know, online payment solutions, digital payment solutions to, to help those businesses? So, you know, there's just so many things that we can talk about and 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 add value when it comes to, you know, that that discussion for for a business owner. You
3: know, what's interesting is that every business is essentially the same as it relates to a business is in purpose to provide either a good or service. They need to sell that service and they need to collect the funds from those services and pay for their costs. And it's kind of rinse and repeat. And it sounds very, very easy when you, when you frame it like that, but it is amazing how complex that process can be as Joel mentioned, just simply digital technologies to be able to, through the bank, help the processing of invoices, receipt of money, posting to your general ledger. So it's incredible how complex it can get. But what they need to do from an approach standpoint essentially starts out with those four things that I mentioned, and then it's the bank's ability to help them collect and pay their bills. And what's interesting is that in the commercial bank, we serve 15,000 mid-sized businesses. And that gives us really good foundation for where companies have pain points in that process of, of delivering the goods and services, doing, collecting, and paying their bills. So it's it's terrific being such a, an organization that has the scope that we have as a relates to mid-sized businesses. And, and in the
2: In the business bank, but you can speak of, that number is even larger. In business banking, again, we are extremely proud to serve. Actually, we serve 4 million businesses across the country and we define, you know, those businesses in the business banking space, typically with revenues of upwards of, you know, $20 million. And again, that's just kind of like where we define it. And, and, you know, we have a, a lot of businesses in that space and we're accessible. Right now, uh, we just reached this milestone. We're in all 48 states, uh, a brick and mortar chase across uh, 48 states in the country. So um, we're the only, we're proud to say that we're the only bank that is doing that, that has that, has that ability. And, you know, as far as being responsive to our, to our clients and, and the way that they need to leverage us to help operating, operate their business, I could, I could tell you another stat with the last two years with COVID it's driven a lot of our you know consumers and businesses to rely on on digital channels and I'll give you another uh, again another statistic for example 86% of business owners now use the Chase mobile business banking app to check balances and make transfers and and run their day-to-day operations so you kind of think about that and it's really the smartphone has has become a way to do banking in 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 ways that you know, has not been seen certainly before and and has evolved quite rapidly over the last 10 years.
0: No, that is interesting. I think more and more people are learning to do um, what used to be pretty archaic um, operations out of their pocket, right? I think that the digitization, especially business practices, has been incredible to observe, and I, I don't think it's slowing down anytime soon. It's interesting to think about the range of ways a bank can partner with a small business, but maybe even bringing it kind of like back to you know, when someone's kind of thinking about, you know, maybe whether it's a loan or kind of a, a a payment solution, something of that nature, what are the kind of ways folks can document kind of their plans and, and where they think you play a role? So totally get a business plan. I think most people listening here are going to be pretty familiar with that. And if not, you know, we have some some how to guides on on our blog, SBA.TheHartford.com. It sounds like you guys might too it was Chase.com business kind of a, an insights playbook. But I wonder yeah. a little bit about the kind of forecasting in the future. So I have my business plan. I have some of my transactional statements and, you know, my, my business credit score. What's the best way for me to really kind of articulate and document where I'm trying to go and, and how I think or why I think you as a banker should believe me?
2: There's so many types of businesses and so many different you know, business needs that, that go into that. But I think what it gets back to with what John said at the beginning of the call is you know just taking the time to listen and to understand you know what are the goals what where where do you want to go where do you want to take this business and then you know kind of talk about in general terms with the client you know how how the banking relationship adds value and you know what the expectations are and you know almost you know also too talk about some of the fundamentals of of course the products and services that we offer and and you know how those you know can help you know businesses grow and but you know, talking about to your point, John, just talking about lending, just talking, having a general talk about you know what what the lending cycle is and 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 the, and the concept of uh, of lending against the business, and a lot of that really kind of gets to the to the cash flow of, of the business. You know, where are the customers, and and how is the business going gener- to generate revenue, and then you know with that trajectory you know, what types of capital needs would be required to, to support that growth? At what point would it make sense to have a conversation about ending in that situation?
0: I think it goes to the importance of really being honest with your partners, right? So if I'm a business owner listening, like be honest with your hopes and your dreams and what you're trying to accomplish, because to your guy's point, it's about building that relationship and that true understanding, I'd say, of the, the business and the business owner versus the business category. And I think sometimes people want to put out the per like the presentation versus the purpose, I guess is one way to say it. And I think it's really about keeping you guys on the same team and making sure they understand you're in their corner. Absolutely.
3: One of the other things that I'm proud of from working for an organization like I do is the question that you just asked is incredibly difficult for folks to get past. I have a great idea. Maybe historically I've had I haven't had access to capital. I haven't had, had access to resources. So our bank makes sure that we focus on those issues. And as an example, we made a $300,000 grant to the Women's Business Development Council, and they specifically provide micro grants to women of color, their business owners, to help them grow and sustain their ventures. And that's that's new in in the context of making sure that those resources are available for folks because it is very difficult for people to get a traditional loan when they have just an idea and they don't have any proven history. You asked a great question earlier about looking backwards at historical financial statements. Well, if you're a startup, you don't even have that. You just have a, you have a vision, and the challenge is how can you gain capital to help you launch and then grow that business? It's a really, really good question, and it really takes everybody's effort and help. And what Joel was saying, we do a lot of coaching and counseling in terms of how they can help build a better business plan, Government resources, SBA and the like. So it really does take thoughtful dialogue and consideration to help people find access to capital to
2: to start a business. Getting back to and and John makes, you know, all great points and some of the things that we do to help, you know, in, in the market are just incredible. And I'm also proud of as well. We're, again, we're in 48 states across the country. So there's a chase, there's a chase branch in every state, which is which is incredible, and we're the only bank to to be there uh, at, at this point in time, designed to reach uh, a very large audience uh, of business owners uh, with uh, all different types of needs at all different stages of of their business cycle, whether that be just with the idea I'm coming in, I'm opening up a business account, or I have some, you know, more complex needs that I'd like to talk to uh, someone about, or or even leading up to getting a business banker uh, in the market to 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 speak with that will manage your business banking account on a on a more personal level with with you know more frequent touch-ins and 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 conversations around around the business. So there's just a lot that we have to offer.
0: Awesome. No, it it sounds like it. And I think, you know, we, we often say in our industry, it's a relationship business, right? And it it sounds very similar as we kind of think across more of those traditional banking outlets as well. I I know Gene on the phone is going to have a lot of questions, especially being much more of a numbers guy than I am. So Uh I'm going to invite him to talk a little bit more about, um, the mechanics of as we think about lending, but really do appreciate kind of the insight and the background. I think these are good starting places for a lot of our listeners who are looking to maybe start a new venture or kind of expand the one they have.
1: Thank you. Yeah, and and guys, Joel and John, I mean, you should um, know that. Um, so I I run a ten-person business. I've got about ten employees and about a dozen contractors outside of Philly, so not in the Connecticut area, which I know you guys are like more in that area. But you know, we have about six hundred clients all up and down the East Coast, and and we have a you know a big audience that listens to these. A podcast and reads our stuff. And I was, was hoping I could get some some sort of tactical advice from you as well, just your insights um, on what you're seeing. And, you know, John, I'll start with you because you're like middle market area. And I'm curious, you know, we know, you know, I know you're not an economist, but I mean, you know, it, it seems very probable. The Fed has said that they plan on raising interest rates in, in 2022. Um, it seems with inflation that, you know, some government action is going to be taken to raise rates. So interest, like for the first time in recent memory, is going to suddenly become like, you know, a thing now. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, before, like a lot of my clients just leaving their money in their checking account because they had no, you know, who cares? I mean, interest rates are like zero, but, you know, I think that's going to change over the next year and and even longer than that. So, so John um, Gambardella, I was wondering, like, you know, what are you, what are you advising your, your clients as they head into 2022 from a. Cash management perspective. What what do you see some of your clients doing to uh, to really protect their money, protect themselves against inflation, and take advantage of of rates as they raise as they go up?
3: You know, it's interesting. Another really good question. And the way I look at cash um, and liquidity really covers operating cash, which is the cash that you need to have in your checking account in order to be able to meet your current obligations as it relates to payroll, your accounts payable monthly payments on term loans, if you have. So, you know, that's operating cash. And then you have strategic cash or liquidity, which you're accumulating that strategic liquidity to do something with it, be it put a down payment on a modernization of a factory, acquiring new office locations. So that tends to have a little bit longer term. And really, folks should be looking at what the return on that is versus where can I put that money take risk to get return, which that risk also comes with the potential that there's you know, market corrections as it relates to volatility. And then therefore that makes it not an opportunity to look at that cash and say, well, I'm gonna put it in the market because I might get a return because I need that money to do something strategic, new building, new office, new equipment, expansion, hiring new folks, whatever it might be in, in the short run. And then there's liquidity that our customers have and they have significant liquidity. At all periods, based on being in business for a long time, you know that's where we bring in our asset management team. And as it's, if it's commercial money, if it's personal money, we bring in our private bank to talk to them about investing that cash. Because cash, I'm using the term cash and liquidity again, is is immediate mm-hmm. access to that. And then how can they invest that money? which we don't provide investment advice as it relates to those types of strategic decisions. But we, in fact, work closely with our asset management and private banking team to the extent that they have a, say, longer than 12 or 24 months time horizon in terms of that cash or that liquidity need as they plan for the future, getting back to what we were talking about earlier, which is why we spend so much time talking to our clients about what their plan for the future is. Uh, and then it includes that liquidity uh, and investment of assets.
1: So how do working capital loans figure into this? And I ask because I have I have clients that are so conservative, they don't truly understand the benefits of having a you know, working capital line to, to help make the best use of their cash. So they can make investments, pay it down, take advantage of lower interest rates that we have right now. Tell me a little bit about the kinds of customers, how they leverage working capital loans lines of credit as it is? And you know, what advice you have about those types of financing?
3: You know, it's interesting. Your question leads me to think the the way we're talking to our clients is you need to embrace uncertainty. right? As I said earlier, I've been doing this a very long time, and there's always something that our business owners are dealing with. And you mentioned a few interesting things, rising interest rate, inflation. So somebody who has a working capital facility where they call the bank and they say, I'd like to borrow money, because I'm going to purchase inventory Mm. and I'm going to house that inventory. And maybe that inventory is going to cover me for nine months versus three months. So that would be a very positive use of using a bank to fund the purchase of that inventory because they may have supply constraint concern. So for a long time, there was the theory just in time inventory, right? It was a very efficient way of managing your use of working capital and reducing your need to borrow it. Bringing your inventory just in time. Well, with this supply chain challenge, certain industries were faced with inventory shortage. And you don't have inventory, you can't sell it. So those folks have moved to purchasing inventory, housing inventory. And then, as Joel and I were talking about earlier, that's the conversations. It's you should be having those conversations with your bank about what are you seeing. As Joel said, with all the clients he deals with, all the clients I deal with, our clients. We're communicating with them. Here's what we're seeing others in your industry do. Uh, diversification of suppliers is incredibly important. Mm. And if you have a new supplier, maybe they won't give you terms that you're normal to. Maybe you've got to pay a little bit sooner. Again, another very good use of working capital financing from a bank. We call them revolvers or lines of credit where you you draw, you pay, you know, a spread on that. And then when you collect your money from your sales or your service. You pay the bank back, so it's not. It's an inflow and an outflow. It's not something where you borrow it once and then it's out there for ten years. That's really not traditional working capital financing.
1: Right. You know, and I always tell my clients that um, to have, and I mean, the average small business has like two months of cash on hand. You know, and to me, it's it's not cash on hand. It's it's available cash. You know, so stuff ever hits the fan, like even it did with you know COVID, but things happen. Um, I tell my clients they should have six months of available cash on hand. That means you know cash in the bank, but also you know a working line of credit, maybe even just personal savings that if they had to tap it, they could. So I I, I think your point is well taken about having that availability of that credit um, because it helps you you know in the short term um, to fund those kinds of things. And you're right, inventory is no longer just in time. I think COVID has, has taught us that. So Joel, turning to you, um, a lot of small business owners, you know, are faced with some challenging ways to manage their cash this coming year. Just like I was talking about with John about, uh, you know, overall interest rates, you know, potentially go up, uh, you know, inflation being a pressure. We like to learn from what other small business owners are doing. Your smartest customers, you know, what they're doing to manage their cash. So what are you seeing out there, Joel? Do you have anything to add to what John has said? Is there anything that, you know, if you were running a small business like I am, you know, how would you be managing your cash right now? What advice do you have?
2: Really along the same lines as, you know, what John said earlier, right? I mean, you know, the fundamentals of how a business operates, you know, whether it be a very large company or whether it be a small to medium-sized company, fundamentally, there are a lot of the same issues and challenges that those businesses face, and you know one of them, like John said, inventory and how to manage inventory and certainly how to manage that with the backdrop of supply chain concerns and how to navigate that and and then also you know where where to lean into your bank for, say, a line of credit to 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 help manage the cash flow around that. So let me just take a step back and like kind of put this in context of the last couple of years and and you know maybe this would be helpful like we had the PPP log program you know that was a, a program that was used to essentially address a, a cash flow potential concern of of customers as we headed into a pandemic and we as an institution deployed over 40 billion dollars of relief through the paycheck protection program which was 400,000 clients which we're proud mm-hmm. to have done and and when we were the the leading lender in, in uh, uh, for twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one so you know we 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 had to kind of deal with that you know as 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 a as a as an advisor and help our clients through through that challenging time and now, going forward you know we're we're doing it without that backdrop, but a lot of those conversations are v- very much similar and how to strategize around that and you right. know and and, and, and like John said, you know, how do you manage inventory in, in, in a time like this and, and, and keeping cash on hand and, and making sure that you're able to service the needs of your client base? Oftentimes, you know, that would mean, you know, having a credit you know, revolver in place and, and, you know, building up inventory versus, you know, having it, like John said, you know, just in time uh, to, to, to deal with some of the supply chain challenges. You know, if anything, it, it requires more learning, uh, more, more listening and, and more talking to us as, as bankers and us understanding where those challenges lie and, and how we can be as responsive as we can, you know, to those.
1: So, Joel, I, this question is for you. I, you know, we have many clients and we have uh, of all different sizes from, you know, some companies, very small, under a million dollars in revenues, as high as 20, 30 million dollars a year in revenue. I can't tell you how many clients I go to still that are cutting checks, like it's 1995, you know? I mean, I have one client, they've got about 100 employees, they do about 25 million in revenue, and half their payments are still going out, you know, in regular, like regular checks, instead of using an online banking service. Um, And I'm curious to just hear, Joel, what you're seeing out there and where you think this is all going. And, And what do you tell your customers when you walk in and you still see them doing things sort of like the old way? Um, you know what? What you know, what kind of advice do you have for them?
2: Yeah, sure. So uh, I agree a hundred percent. Like we still do see that. You still see a lot of customers that are writing paper checks and relying on that form of payment to to pay vendors or, or the like to to operate their business. And we as trusted advisors, as bankers, going in and talking with our clients, like that's our responsibility to talk with them about the different types of ways that they can. Process payments and manage payables and receivables, and w- without a doubt, there is fraud that is uh, happening. And 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 whether it be from, you know, the just taking the, the the checking account number and routing number from from the check, and you know, or whiting out the number and putting a you know a larger number there, um, you know, we try to avoid that. And right. and the way that we do that is educate our clients on. Leveraging best practices and talk about fraud prevention services, creating efficiencies in the way that they manage their payables and receivables and how to uh, leverage technology to to eliminate that process altogether of of writing paper, paper checks to 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 further, you know, ensure that the company uh, mitigate those potential potential risks.
1: It's a great answer and I and I have to also add you you mentioned about the routing number and account number and this is for all of you guys listening to this cuz I have had experience with this on on regular checks they include the bank's routing number and account number and there are many places you can go to online where you can make a payment just using a routing number and an account number so somebody if somebody gets a hold of your check they can create fraud with it easier than you think on some of these online places even the government only needs a routing number and account number for you to pay your taxes so be very careful. I guess is my advice. Talk to your banker. Um, it's you know it's one of many reasons why I think um, companies really need to go to online transactions. Joel, let me ask uh, you this question. There has been a, a significant growth in online lenders, um, online banks, uh, merchant card services, other you know other places where small businesses can go to get their financing outside of just sort of a, a traditional bank like, you know, like your own. However, when I do talk to traditional bankers uh, that I know, they see themselves as being sort of a part of the puzzle there. You know, there, you know, there is a place for all those different types of financing, depending on the small business that's looking to get it and what they can afford and, you know, what their needs are. So Joel, uh, can you, you know, can you just give us an idea? where does Where does Chase fit in with all of these different sort of options as a business owner, when would I consider Chase versus one of the other options that are available to me, like an online banker or your know, merchant advances?
2: Sure. So Ovid, I, I think, you know, without a doubt, uh, has driven consumers to rely more heavily on, on digital channels for their banking needs. And I threw out the stat earlier that 86% of small business owners uh, use mobile business banking to check balances, make transfers, and run their day-to-day operations. That's just us right now. And we continually are investing in innovations to meet demands of, of growing businesses and help our business owners do business virtually anywhere, anytime. Now, with that being said, you know, acknowledging that there are different types of banks out there and online banks. And I think what really sets us aside, and we've been talking about this throughout the, the this show today is, you know, having a banker in market to sit down and talk with you about your business and listen to what you, uh, the business owner, are looking to accomplish, how you're going to grow your business and how we can partner with you and uh, throughout the, the cycle, life cycle of, of, of your business. And it, it's a really high touch personal approach to managing a business banking relationship. And we have acquired companies such as WePay in 2017 to help further our, our technology mission to, to, to make it easier for businesses to to do business, uh, leveraging technology platforms. And WePay is essentially a uh, another way to collect payments online. And we have a whole host of other technological features uh, and integration with Chase Business Banking that, again, makes us, what we like to say the easiest bank for small businesses and, and business owners uh, to, to manage their finances so they can focus on what's important and that's running their business. So um, yes, there are competitors out there and, and there are different solutions out there for, for businesses, but we feel that we offer something that's totally different and, and totally unique and with a lot of added value, um, that really comes down to that in-person, local market presence and dealing with a banker face to face.
1: That's great, John. Thank you so much, both of you guys. John Gambardella is the head of commercial banking, and Joel Nowakowski is the head of business banking, both at Chase Bank. I want to thank both of you guys for joining us today. It was a great conversation. I learned a lot. Um, so we appreciate your time. Thank you. Great.
3: Thank you. I, I would love to just. I, I would love to just end by. You know, expressing my appreciation for the conversation that we had today. And also, we're in an amazing position here. We have terrific customers and clients that we learn a lot from. And a lot of what Joel and I talked about today is based on those relationships. And we just really can't express our appreciation for our client base uh, anymore. So thank you very much for giving us the time to talk about our amazing clients and our firm.
1: Well said. This is Gene Marks talking. I'm here with my co-host, John Adaconis. John, thank you very much for your involvement here. And guys, uh, if you want more advice, tips, uh, help in running your business, please visit us at the Small Biz Ahead website. It's sba.thehartford.com. Thanks again, guys, for joining us. Hope you enjoyed this episode and we will see you again shortly. Take care.